0: The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. I really believe that every single person here needs a miracle. Is there anyone that doesn't need a miracle? I doubt it, because every single one of us, me included, have things that we're praying for, that we're believing God for the book of john that uh, we've been doing this series on which is the seven miracles of the book of john its key focus is this you've got to believe you've got to believe you've got to believe it begins with you've got to believe it finishes with you've got to believe and and so this morning i'm just going to sum up the whole series you're going to get the whole series in one message how many of you think we shouldn't have had the other eight we could have got it all in one <laughs> But uh, this is just to summarize the whole thing. And, and basically, we, it, it's fighting a mindset that the world has. And the mindset that the world has is, I'll believe it when I see it. Isn't that the mindset the world has? I'll believe it when I see it. Whereas faith, the gospel, the Bible, the things of God is this. You'll see it when you believe it. What? You'll see it when you believe it. And it's it just flips the whole thing around from the scientific, I believe it when I see it. When I can prove it, when I've got evidence. Well, what's what's evidence? Well, if I can scientifically prove it, I've got evidence. Okay, so you just live in the physical realm because evidence only relates to the physical realm. But there's a spiritual realm, and access to that spiritual realm is through faith. And so when you begin to understand faith and you begin to understand that belief is the doorway to the supernatural, belief is the doorway to miracles, belief is the doorway... And, and so the whole book of John is written so that you might believe. Let's, let's, let's read the text. It's the key verse in the book of John. It's found in John chapter 20, verse 31. It is the key text. Matter of fact, it's the focal point of the whole book. And John actually says, this is what he says. He says, these things are written, what he's written in the book of John. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that believing you may have life in his name that you might have life in his name that word life is the greek word zoe which literally means the god life in paul's in in, in the context of john when he uses zoe it's not just existence it's the god life it's the god connection it's the God partnership it's the God type of life these things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that believing you might have the God life eternal life abundant life amazing life supernatural life miraculous life in his name but you know what's even more fascinating is the context of how this scripture fits into the whole story is say the context? Yeah, the context is the story of Thomas. Now, you all know the story of Thomas. And because a lot of you have given him a nickname. What's Thomas's nickname? Now, that's really sad for Thomas. Because Thomas actually sold himself as a galley slave so he could preach the gospel in India. And so that he could actually go to India, he was actually Martin in India. So the end of Thomas's story was not doubting, but a great apostle of faith, an amazing thing. I actually, went to the cathedral, St. Thomas's Cathedral in uh, in India, and they've got a relic. And uh, this relic, you'll never guess what the relic is. Are you ready for the relic? It's Thomas's finger. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> The very one that Jesus invited to put into it. And so they have got there and they... Yeah, it's disgusting, yeah. Whether it is Thomas's, I do not know. But the fact is that I've got at least a few hundred thousand years of purgatory by going there and having a visit of this finger. Anyway. Context. Context. Attention. I know that some of you have just gone... All the young guys have just gone off onto a... Yeah. Okay. It's... Um, Verse 24, this is the context. Now, Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, here it is, I will not believe. Wow, the whole context of this book is believing. And he's one of the apostles right at the end saying, I won't believe. It's like, Thomas, you don't get this, do you? And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came and the doors being shut, stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. And then he focuses in on Thomas. How would you like it if you became, all of a sudden, the center of Jesus' gaze? You can imagine Thomas thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. And then this is the crunch note. Here it is. Do not be Unbelieving, but believing. Yeah. Come on, Thomas. Come on, church. Come on, people. Yeah. Come on, those of you that need a miracle. Yeah. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And then Thomas answered and said to him, Oh my goodness. He went from being bomb bomb failure. To now being top of the class, because here it is this declaration of faith that has not been made by anyone else at this level. And Thomas declares, My Lord and my God, my curios and my theos two words that he used my curios, my Lord, my master, the one who owns everything, and my God. Now you've got to think that for a Jewish man to declare that Jesus Christ was God was totally encapsulating Christian thought, which was so foreign to Jewish thought because there's only one God and in uh, and, and Jewish thought that God was Elohim. And now we have Thomas launching Christian doctrine saying Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And what an incredible statement of faith that was. He went from unbelieving to not just believing, but an articulator of Christian doctrine, that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And so this is is the key thing. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Come on, there's a blessing for those that believe before they see. And this, this, and this is the invitation to the church. This is the invitation to the world. Will you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Will you believe the Word of God? Will you believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think? Will you believe that God can do the miraculous? Do you believe that there's divine life in the name of Jesus? Because if you believe it, you're going to see something extraordinary you're going to see blessings like you've never seen before and then it moves into our text. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. How many of you can see that the key word in the whole book of John, especially in these last verses, is believing, 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 believing. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was descended to the dead. He was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe. Believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Does anybody else believe? Because if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God. So the miracles of Jesus in John is to encourage us to believe. To believe that God wants to do a miracle for your house. To believe that God's got extraordinary things for you. And so the seven miracles in the book of John, they all reveal a particular type of miracle that God wants to do in your life. And so let's summarize the seven things that God wants to do for your house. In one sermon, you'll get the seven things that God wants to do for your house. The first thing that God wants to do for your house is the turning of water into wine. That's the first miracle that Jesus did. So what's this? What, what does God want for your house? The first thing that God wants for your house is the miracle of salvation. And you say, how do you get the miracle of salvation in turning water into, dry, into wine? It's the transformation that takes place. You give God something ordinary, which is water, and he makes it extraordinary, which is wine. And so you give God what you've got. He transforms it into something that you don't have. And that's the miracle of salvation. Come as you are. Come ordinary and leave extraordinary. Because that's what salvation is. Salvation is when humanity comes into the presence of divinity. And all of a sudden, there's a merging of humanity and divinity. And at the point of salvation, the human being is filled with the divine presence of God. How awesome is that? The prophets of old could only dream of it. That divinity would inhabit humanity. They had no concept of that. They'd have to go to the temple and there experience divinity. But salvation for us in the New Testament because of what Jesus did is that we can become the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That divinity can inhabit humanity and we become God people. You get this? Too many of us, we just well, we just don't want to go to hell. So so whatever it takes, I just don't want to go to hell. Whatever I'll say whatever confession, whatever prayer, because I just don't want to go to hell. I do want to go to heaven. But you know what? It's much, much more than that. Salvation is much, much more than that. It's transformation where we become God people. How awesome it is to be a God person, a God lover, someone filled with the spirit of God. And I don't know how anyone can preach that and not get excited about it. I don't know how anyone can believe that and not get excited about it. That salvation is transformation. What's the second miracle that God wants to do in your house? Well, it's the healing of the nobleman's son in John chapter 4, verses 46 to 54. And and what we have is, is we've got desperation here. We've got a man who's about to lose his son, comes to Jesus, and he gets the miracle of breakthrough. It's the miracle. Does anybody need a breakthrough in their home? Has anybody reached the end of their rope? Because that's what happened to the nobleman. He tried everything. Everything failed. He got to the end of himself. How many of you know that many times God actually lets us get to the end of ourselves? Because we got lots of options. How many of you know we got lots of options? And uh, more often than not, we'll try all the options that we have. And what this miracle is, is try all the options. And when you get to the end of the rope, that's when you find that the end of your rope is the hand of God. End of the rope hand of God the end of the rope is not the end for the Christian the end of the rope actually introduces you to the hand of God and so when the nobleman had come to the, his end, there was Jesus. And again, it was connected to, do you believe? Do you believe? Yes, I believe. Well, your son is healed. It's done. You've come to me. You've come to the right person. You've come to the God of breakthrough. Some of us need to get to the end of our rope before we turn to God. And so many people only turn to God when they get to the end of themselves. It's okay with God because better late than never is his response. I'm there for you at the end of your rope is the hand of God and how awesome it is to know that the end of your rope is not the end but it's just the beginning of a new relationship with God the third miracle in the book of John is the healing of the lame man at Bethesda in John chapter 5 verses 1 to 15 how many of you feel I'm going at a million miles an hour I'm turbocharged this morning I'm the faster pastor. Come on, I just can't get the words out fast enough. I'm so excited about this message of breakthrough and miracles and healings for your home. The healing of the lame man. And I love this because this is not just healing. This is not just the miracle of healing, but the miracle of new direction. So what have we got? We've got a lame man at the pool of Bethesda that had been there for 38 years. And so, so most of us, we focus on the lame man. He's, he's crook. But the other focus is he'd been stuck for 38 years. For 38 years in one place, no direction, no movement. 38 years focused on something but not accomplishing it. 38 years stuck. Jesus comes along, rise up and walk. Not only does he heal him but says, Now let's unstick you. Let's get you unstuck. Let's get you out of this place for 38 years where nothing has happened in your life. No accomplishment. Just day in, day out, year in, year out of doing nothing. Let's give you purpose. Let's give you direction. Let's get you out of this setting. Unstick you to let you go into the God purpose for your life. How many of you love that? God not only wants to heal us but give us direction. Fulfill our purpose. How awesome is that? The fifth, the fourth miracle in the Book of John is the feeding of five thousand. The feeding of five thousand. What's What's this miracle about? Well, it's the miracle of provision. It's the miracle that God provides. Everybody say God provides. I love. See, see, you know, we we got a big need here, and and what have we got? We got five loaves and two fish. We got just you know a couple of sardine sandwiches. That's all we've got. But there's a big need. You know what God says? Well, just give me what you got. Give me what you got. See, so many people despise what they've got because it's not big enough to fulfill the need. And God says, let's partner together. You give me what you've got, and I'll give you the rest. But too many people don't even give God what they've got. But what you've got is the beginning of the miracle. And say, so, could God do it with nothing? Of course he could, but he doesn't want to. He actually enjoys partnering with you. He actually enjoys valuing your littleness. What we do with our littleness is we despise it. We actually despise it. We curse it. We, we just bring it down. And God says, no, give it to me. But it's not enough. And God says, it might not be enough, but I'm the God of more than enough. And I'm going to turn your not enough to more than enough. Yeah. How awesome is that? When he changes, you're not enough to more than enough because everybody got stuffed full and there was still food left over. How many of you think that's awesome? One little boy's lunch was able to feed thousands of people and still have food left over. Why is that? Because when God does a miracle, he doesn't just do it. He doesn't just get you across the line, but he's the God of abundance. He does an extraordinary thing. He does it over and above. He's the God of exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Come on, he's the God that wants to provide for you. He wants to provide a miracle for you. He wants to provide for you right now. He wants to break through into your life right now. He's the fifth miracle walking on water what an incredible miracle this was I I, I think of all the miracles this is the most extraordinary because you know so many people even to this day have a fear of water have a fear of um, drowning have a fear of death and and so if there's ever a miracle that defies all logic if there's ever a miracle that sort of stands out about all the miracles that Jesus did surely it's got to be walking on water and so, why did he do that? Did he have to do it? I mean, seriously, he could have done the booming voice miracle. I mean, he was on a mountain; he saw the disciples. There were, you know, four or five. He could have boom do the booming voice miracle. And they would have thought thunder, lightning, thunder. Wow! It's, but it's the voice of God. He could have done that. He could have done the what you know what Philip did, sort of. One spot in one minute, and the next minute he's somewhere else. He could have sort of just miraculously appeared in the boat. He could have done that. How many of you think that would have been a cool thing to do? That would have scared the life out of them all, all of a sudden. Whoa, where did you come from? And then, but this is the miracle he did. He walked on water. Why did he choose that? Because. I think if anything speaks to us about divine possibility in your impossibility, it's the walking on water. This should not have happened. This is just unbelievable but he did it to encourage you that no matter how impossible your situation looks God has a possibility in your impossibility come on some of you are facing impossibility right now you're saying I've done all the calculations we are going under nothing works it's all over And he's Jesus walking on the water saying you bet you didn't think about this one I don't know how he would have done it, but I think he would have done it nice and cool. <laughs> Shoulders out, no hunching over, just do that all the time. See. Turned up, what's going on? I'm just talking to you about, don't give up in the midst of your storm. Don't give up in the midst of your trial. Why is that? Because he's the God of divine possibility. Some of you, let me say, prophesy over some of you. Some of you, your heart nearly started beating out of your chest when you heard the news. You almost lost your breath when you heard the news. It sort of fell upon you like a a weight that was unbearable when you heard the news. It's like your head started to spin when you heard the news. It seemed like There was ringing in your ears when you heard the news because it was the worst news that you could have heard and it was the news of hopelessness and desperation and the tears started to roll down your cheeks and you started to focus and started to try to to understand the words that were speaking to you of that bad news. But in the midst of it, He's Jesus walking on the water saying to you, stop listening to that voice and start listening to my voice because I've got this. I've got this. But God, this is what they're telling me. They're telling me there's no hope. They're telling me it's the end. They're telling me that it's disaster. They're telling me that it's finished. It's dark. It's loud. It's it's grievous. And God's saying, stop listening to that voice. And start listening to my voice. I'm walking on water to get to you. I'm doing the impossible to get to you. If this is impossible and I'm making it possible. Do you think I can't do that to your impossible situation? Make it possible. And I tell you right now that if you start to turn your gaze. From the voice of darkness, from the voice of despair, and you start turning your gaze to the voice of hope, and you start confessing with your mouth, God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you. A miracle will come to your home. God will be able to break through into your situation and say, I can turn any impossible situation around and make it possible to those who believe. Come on, I want to speak it into your spirit today. So many of you have lost hope. Some of you have said, God, this can never happen. And he's God speaking to you today saying this, only believe. All things are possible, only believe. John is trying to share with us the key, the doorway to miracles is belief. What are you clinging on to? Some of you are clinging on to a negative word. Some of you are clinging on to a word that has just smashed your heart. But I'm hanging on to God. I'm hanging on to God. You know, I was there many years ago. I was there. It was 15 years ago when I heard news that caused my heart to just about stop and then leap out of my chest in despair 15 years ago. And nothing's changed from that news. But I'm still hanging on. I'm still alive. And while I've got breath, I'm going to believe that God's going to turn it around. 15 years of praying and nothing's happened. If anything, it's gotten worse, not better. But you know what? Sometimes it's got to get worse before it gets better. But you know what hasn't changed in 15 years? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is still there. The word of the Lord is still there. Only believe. I'm not going to finish my message this morning. So it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, with, with any of the miracles, it's all to do with only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. And belief is the beginning of your salvation. Belief is the beginning of your journey. Belief, belief, belief. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on your cross for your sins. If you believe that he paid the penalty. If you believe that he rose from the dead. If you believe that through confession of your sins. And confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe that you will be saved, you will be saved. You've got to believe. I can't force that upon you. It's your choice. But it is your choice because you choose either to believe or not to believe. And not to believe is a choice, as is believing. Thanks for listening to this message from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.